Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as Sarah Frazetta, granddaughter of legendary artist Frank Frazetta, creator of what would become the quintessential imagery of the sci-fi and fantasy world, joins us for a chat about all things Frank. We'll celebrate the life of a man who was one of the lucky ones who got to spend his days making a living doing what he loved. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 110 of the Drunken Dows podcast. Tonight, we've got Sarah Frazetta, granddaughter of legendary artist Frank Frazetta. You know all these images the Molly Hatchet, um, Death Dealer album cover, and several other album covers, the John Carter books, and of course, uh, some cat named Conan the Barbarian. The most classic images of Conan and, and, and sci-fi fantasy stuff you'll ever see. You're going to have to get your Google out for this one and, and check out some of the pictures as we go along. Um, even some of the ones they mentioned I didn't even know about when you say, like, oh, my God, he did that one, too. It really is an amazing collection of work. Um, even, his, even his self-portrait is a very famous image. As you're going to learn, he did some of these in a single night. Or a couple of nights together, you know, just nonstop painting till it was done. And it's just a great conversation, and she's really enjoyable and tells lots of fun stories about, you know, growing up with such a famous grandfather. But first, we must thank the folks that help us get this fine show up in the air and out to your ears. And that is got to start with our pals at Datsusera, Chris O'Dell, and his amazing hemp fiber geese, backpacks, Big duffel bags, the fanny packs that are popular with so many folks. Um, you got to check it out. I've had a duffel bag for four years now, and it has just been with me on trip after trip. It's been through airport uh, luggage handling. It's been on many a road trip, and the thing is in great shape. It just lasts and lasts. Of course, you have the fa- fabulous micro ninjas uh, keeping all the funky funguses off of it because of the hemp properties. And tough, strong cool so go check them out at datsusera uh of course the fine folks at onnit o-n-n-i-t human optimization probably their number one product that everybody knows about is the alpha brain helps sharpen your alertness good for late nights to keep you going Belelli likes the instant i like the old pills you know try them both out and see what you care for the most all kinds of food products workout gear it's just an amazing array of good stuff that they have over there at onnit so give them a moment and check them out and of course, finally, Sure Design T-shirts. It's hard to believe, but it's actually been a year since our pal Bennett has passed away. But Sure Design is still cranking away and making all kinds of groovy. I think I saw Gandhi recently. It's a new image they have. T-shirts, harem pants, you name it. And they've got it. You got to check it out. It's all kinds of great designs that are, you know, something you don't see every day to help make it even more fashionable as you're 
cruising down the street. Anyway, one thing I feel we've got to mention is that the new episode of History on Fire has none other than Dan Carlin. Having a great interview with Bellelli. I just listened to it yesterday, and you guys are really going to enjoy that because uh, he and Dan, two folks that are really a conversation you want to listen to. Um, and they do a great job. They cover all sorts of fun topics, and you, you really should check it out. I, I just want to make sure you know that that is available. So recently we've been switching to do the, the names of the fine folks that sent us a donation to help us keep our ongoing concern ongoing uh, to the front of the show so they can get their names early and don't have to listen all the way to the end. So right now I'm going to take a shot at seeing if I can get these names right. Some, some, some familiar ones for sure, but some that will be new and challenging. So here we go. Let the pottering begin. Lisa Robles. Thomas McNamara. Bartek Kuzel, Andrew Bennett, Samuel McNichol, Matt Cherbert, Cherbert, oh, that wasn't very good, uh, Mike Or Ordunez, Isaiah Sanchez, well, I pretty much slaughtered all of those, but there you go, if you want to join them, send us a nice little donation on the donation link on the Drunken Dallas website page, and uh, we can uh, botch you your name as well so thanks to the fine folks it's too kind we definitely appreciate it um one last little note i had a crazy death in my family this week my uh fine feline friend wolvie had been with us since for 16 years and uh he passed away a couple days ago and it's just amazing how you know these pets and animals hang with us for these pretty big but still not big enough chunks of time and uh he'll be missed we have uh buried him upstate in our uh, ancestral home and uh, put an avocado tree over top of him so we'll always know where he is and uh, time flies everybody so make sure you take the time to tell your loved ones that you love them because you never know how much time you have and when it's over it's over so anyway enough of that depressing thought uh, we'll be we'll miss you and here's a great interview check it out here we go Here we go. Let's go play. With us, Sara Frazetta. Sara, very welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's, uh, we have been chatting back and forth via email a bunch, so I'm glad we now have a live version of yes, the conversation. Like... <laughs> Sara, let's start playing, uh, I guess, with the obvious, with uh, your grandpa's legacy, his painting, his art career. Uh, maybe... Just because there may be six people who have been living under rocks who don't know <laughs> about your grandpa's work, let's bring everybody up to date if you want to give your uh, sort of, I guess, a little summary about his life, his work, uh, just a general intro of uh, Frazetta 101. <laughs> Frazetta 101. Uh, well, he started in the 50s. He started uh -huh. his career with comics. Um, he got a little bit uh, stubborn and didn't want to 
basically work for anyone else. He wanted to be the boss of himself. So he took a little break from that and he started being called irrelevant in the industry. Mm-hmm. So once he was called irrelevant, he got a little bit of a fire under his ass. He, <laughs> he did a self-portrait. He started doing um, illustrations for Robert E. Howard Conan. Mm-hmm. And his barbarian was one is the most famous right. barba- Conan the Barbarian. Um, he also did some work for Molly Hatchet, uh, Wolf Mother album mm-hmm. covers, and um, basically just the godfather of fantasy art. Exactly. <laughs> so he <laughs> was summarize. kind of freelancing it for you know yeah the, all the book covers mm-hmm. like all the Robert E. Howard stuff, yeah. some of the Edgar Rice Burroughs, yeah, yeah. And all of that, some of heavy the albums, covers. heavy metal, yeah. so I'm, much. I'm sure that's where I saw it first. <laughs> yeah, heavy metal was probably the most. How did? Uh, because, I mean, that's a hell of a gig. Of course, he could pull it off because he's amazing and this art is unbelievable. But still, to pull it off as a freelance artist mm-hmm. doing stuff like that is not exactly the kind of gig that you want to say on career day. You go, right. kids, just try that. That's going to work out perfect <laughs> for you. you 53 know? years of this is going to get you a, yeah. a Molly Hatchet cover. Pretty much, right? Like Which 90- is also, also iconic, too. You just right. think about that. Was it the Reaper or some sort of... I don't know what that creature is called, but damn, yeah. is he mean looking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Death Dealer. Death yeah, the Death Dealer, right. And, and Dark Kingdom. That was his other... Those were the big... Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. is like 99.99% of people are going to try to do that. Are going to oh, yeah. go nowhere and be go crazy in their mom's basement. What do you think, besides talent, which obviously helps, because if you have no talent, you're not going to go anywhere. But by itself, that's not going to do it. What do you think contributed to his success? The fact that today he's still, to this day, this iconic figure that everybody refers to that, as you say, kind of this whole heroic fantasy imagery, he, it's him, you know, he's right. the first guy you think of. Luck, ability to net, what do you think were some of the other factors besides I the monstrous think, talent? I really think that he didn't care what anyone thought okay. and I think that was the key to his success he didn't try to copy anyone mm-hmm. he wouldn't even talk about who inspired him he just said it just came from up here and left it very simple it was the muse the muse <laughs> right. came through him I right. mean anybody on that caliber because painting's fun and it's easy to fake I'll go do you a starry right. night that's half decent <laughs> but to be the guy that lets that image out for the first time those initial ideas mm-hmm. he's downloading that from somewhere and yeah. it's going right through him and he knew it I'm mm-hmm. sure and probably would wait patiently for it to come again. But when it did, these things were filtered through him. These incredible, iconic item, uh, uh, visual uh, masterpieces yeah. that are going to last forever. Right. And I think, I think a lot of it, I mean, he had this ability to have this an amazing imagination of, of outer, the outer world of mm-hmm. space that doesn't, we don't know what's up there. But really, his success was just the love, I think, of the human anatomy. Yeah. And putting those women onto the canvas and then just kind of finishing it off with some planets and stars. But his main focus was the woman. And he had this, I mean, most people know, he had a little bit of a sex addiction, obviously, with the female body. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I like like putting it out there just because people, he was always portrayed as this family man, which Uh he is. Sure. But he also had this love for sex and women, which it came out on his canvas. Right. We were, I was introduced to nudity when I was an infant. Right. So it was just kind of a normal thing. And that's yep. really how he spawned off his career. And I think that actually, maybe I want to go back a little to his life story. But you brought up a really interesting point that mm-hmm. I wanted to play with anyway. So might yeah. as well. Um, the whole issue about, exactly, it's all about the human body, right? Oh, yeah. It's just 
full on, that's the one thing that he's a master at. Mm-hmm. He can paint in a way that the physicality emerges, just jump through the canvas. Uh, obviously, it's interesting, particularly because you guys have the website Frazetta Girls. You are mm-hmm. an old, you, your mom, you know, it's an old female legacy right. on your side of the family on this. And some people, whom obviously I disagree with, but some people who consider a lot of his art kind of objectifying. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on that type of criticism that sometimes you get? Like I was reading yeah. this thing that was insane. It was like, uh, I wish I remembered the exact details, but some executive who was working on a recent Conan board game mm-hmm. was all horrified by the kind of art that they were creating, saying it's too objectifying. I'm like, it's Conan. What do you, it, it, that's what... Right. Um, for women and men? Yeah, that's the other issue. It's first, is not re- in my view at least, it's right. not necessarily objectifying women. No, it, it would be... A, first, is not objectifying. And no. second, is not just about women. It, right. Because I've answered a question like this before, and I said, I'm like, you know, it's not... He didn't just have naked women. He had yeah, naked men. And it, exactly. wasn't, it, was, it wasn't in a distasteful way. He just was mm-hmm. showing the human body at its primal form. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. I mean, he made up mu- um, muscles. It was really, yeah. I think, just to kind of play with his imagination and his fantasies of what he would want to see. Sure. So absolutely. I don't, I, I know he never had the intentions to objectify women. Mm-hmm. He respected women a, a lot. He, right. he loved women, but he, he just wanted to create this woman. I feel like that he could one day meet. Of course. And until he was 84 years old, he'd be looking around <laughs> like him. waiting for that woman. Right. I'm sure he should be by any moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I think that's an important one right there because this idea of objectifying, I think a lot of it boils down to intention mm-hmm. because to me, otherwise it becomes that w- what is not objectifying, right. having this very Puritan kind of cover up the body, be all... To me, that's a silly dualism that if you have any kind, if you put sex on display, and by sex I mean not just the act of, just sexuality, the vibe, uh, the human body, nudity, if that's on display, somehow that's objectifying. And so the counter to that is uh, just this uh, Puritan cover up to your neck. No, this, it's like, that seemed like a silly dichotomy. And don't get me wrong, there are, of course, people who there is such a thing as objectifying where it's Mm -hmm. done in a tasteless kind of way. Right. But that's not what I get here. No. And to me, the idea that nudity equals objectifying, that I find bizarre. And yeah, I'm it, sure if you grow up no. with, you know. He appreciated yeah, the, exactly. the human body. He yeah. loved it. And that's, like, it was funny, a lot of his paintings, he would have to send it off to the publisher and yeah. he'd get the painting back, thanks to my grandma, who was, <laughs> that's another story. Right. <laughs> but he'd get the painting back and immediately undress them. And then he'd hang it on the wall and be like, now the painting is done. Now we got the real now, deal. Now here, yeah. here's the real yeah, painting. Exactly. So, In the music video world, we call that the Velcro dog. Yeah. <laughs> you cover up, you, you, give a, you give a mistake or a terrible thing for them right. to find. So they can go, holy shit, look at that. <laughs> and you just take it off when it oh, gets yeah. back. Yeah. All yeah. better. Uh, the, the Tarzan painting, he had a, the moon's rapture was uh-huh. Tarzan. And then he got that back and he made it a woman right. and a nude woman. Right. So he was just t- totally extreme <laughs> with his decisions. I think that's right up there. Is right it? Right upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and exactly. And I think he's, um, particularly because he was doing it, like you said, the time frame of his career, like when did he start roughly? Um, he started in the 50s, but 50s. He, his most f- uh, famous years were the 60s and 70s. 60s, 70s, yeah, right. So at really... the time when ex- attitudes toward, you know, period of sexual revolution, mm-hmm. attitude toward the body is very much changing. Right, yep. But he yeah, was with that shift. 
Exactly. And in some sense, if you think about the American culture that was coming before him, that probably he grew up in, mm-hmm. and the kind of stuff that he was doing that obviously don't mix with that at all. Right. It's interesting because it is a revolutionary twist mm-hmm. in the way we we relate to sexuality, we relate to the human body, we relate to all of that. And he very much played a huge role in it. Mm-hmm. And so I do... I do find it really interesting because so often sometimes the critique comes from this anti-sex vibe that's really weird because it's like that cannot be, those cannot be the only two choices that it's either if it is uh, more nudity oriented, then it's somehow objectifying or the alternative is this complete right. abstinence. It seems silly. It seems really Hopefully bizarre. that goes away soon in Definitely. our culture. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to sell tickets here. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> like, Ladies. Yeah. And I think it depends like, it also where you live, yeah. right? Because okay. in yeah, different parts of the country, different yeah. people you hang out, in what's in one place would be no big deal. In the next place, you have a vibe like you are among the Taliban or something. Well, well just... America is so uptight, man. So uptight. Take Europe would be a perfect example. Yeah. People are a little bit calmer about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And we, most of our fans actually are in Brazil. Really? And, oh, yeah. That, and we no thought way. that was interesting because most of the bodies kind of look like exactly Brazilian like women. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the men and the no women way. like I are... I didn't know that. That's oh, yeah. interesting. In Europe and Brazil, but I think Brazil tops it. Wow. Yeah. No we way. We could do some shows down in Brazil. <laughs> How about in U.S.? Has there been kind of for him major controversy through the year? Did he run into... Did he have to fight it out or not too bad? He not found like he's in it and then yeah. within that environment he was good and then slowly going more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't had too much backlash on... Nice. And were you able to hold on to the images? Do you guys still own them? Yes. Um, and as your grandmother's, is that what you were referring uh, to? Getting the paintings back? Yeah. <laughs> My grandma, when she passed away, they had about 100... And thirty paintings, oil mm-hmm. paintings left. Nicely done. Yeah, so they they had quite a few, and and the, I mean, my grandparents they lived off of selling the art, um, but my grandfather did so many pen and inks over his career right. that he he would get twenty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand for a pen and ink. Wow! So well, he was. Let's not put the museum in t- Destin. Let's yeah. bring it out here. <laughs> we, we that's, that's you know George a Lucas is getting goal. ready. To, this I gigantic, am. like from Rockwells to you know modern cinema, it's gonna be right there next to yeah, USC. Yeah. You need to give him a, a call. Hey. Oh yeah, I'm sure they talk to you. <laughs> that would be great. Who but, do you think were uh, some of his influences? Because I mean, I get it. He's he started in influence. Yeah. You know, he's a trailblazer in that regard because he's he's doing something that nobody else was doing. Mm-hmm. But of course, everybody grows up with some kind right. of influence, no matter how much you yeah. depart from. Nothing's it, original, so. really. Right. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he really only cited Norman Rockwell. Uh-huh. Um, see that was that was the only one I ever heard out of his mouth. But right. I've heard from others that he was influenced by Jose Segreas. Hmm who was um, very proficient in, like, the late 1800s right. from Spain. Yeah. Um, but that's, from my personal experience, he never really said this, but we would watch Fantasia, uh-huh. Disney's Fantasia, yeah. over and over and over again. And Night on Bald Mountain sort of kind of looks like Death Dealer. Right. And that came in the 30s, late 30s. Uh-huh. So I, I, I would ask him, but he was so prideful. I'd say, Grandpa, I'm like, your character kind of looks like that. And, you know, reassembled man with the hands and the ladies falling off. Um, I said, this kind of looks like what Disney made. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, that's my idea. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> the phone right now. We'll settle this. Yeah. <laughs> did that's he do funny. commercial art originally? I mean, or he must have painted. Did he have the bug his whole life? Because I find a lot of these sort of millennial artists are like, I intend to be an artist someday. 
when I finally pick a pen up. <laughs> but the real artist, he must have had paint under his nails since he was three years old. Yeah, yep. He sent his fir- or sold his first painting to his grandmother for, I think, a, a penny. Um, he, was, <laughs> right. he was like three. You can get that action. You should get it. Yeah. It's an artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he, he was a, a paid artist at three years old. Right. <laughs> I'm getting commissions for the first grade. Yeah. But did that was there any commercial work? Like, did he do like Bob's Big Boy or something that nobody realizes that he had some sort of awesome? Um, he did a lot of movie posters. Oh wow! But not a lot of commercial right. art now. Just movie movie posters, album covers, book covers. Book, right. Were his main line of work. Which is interesting because if you think about what painters have been throughout history, painters is you paint on canvas. You mm-hmm. sell that can that's it, you know, mm-hmm. that's you put it up somewhere, it's exposed. This is taking a tra- such a traditional uh, form of media such as painting and turning it into something new. Because if you think about his whole career being exactly album covers, book covers, right. movies, it's a transformation of a traditional medium in something completely new. Because, you know, clearly in the 1700s, nobody was doing book, getting right. paid for book covers that way. So he, he figured out, I guess, a weird way to make a living as a painter doing painting, yeah. but adapting it to a new setup, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool in itself. Because none of this stuff would have been possible 100 years earlier, you know. Yeah, it's um, So that's, that's quite trippy right there, that not only it was original in terms of his art, mm-hmm. but even his approach to making a living through his art. was. And that was a lot of my grandma's doing. That's um, her game. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, she, she played hardball with people. Right. Um, she held the fort down and wouldn't let anyone in to nice. see him. Right. Just because he was so... And again, I, I really knew him well after his strokes. Uh-huh. So I wasn't able to talk to him when he was in his prime years. And, right. and I've, I've really never even seen interviews of him when he had all of his wits. It was before his Graves disease and his right. strokes. So he had a really hard time communicating after everything. Of course. But I know during my lifetime when people would come to the studio, he would be in the back trading cameras for original art. Wow. And my grandma with her was like, no way, get out, like, you're not doing this. And so she started having to, like, kind of hold it down a little bit tighter just because he he didn't care. Like, he'd, right. he'd wear the same outfit for, like, a week. Right, right, We're like, right. Grandpa, you got to get changed. Like, money, <laughs> he didn't care about the money. He yeah, thought it yeah. was cool. He he's, was just, yeah. give me my paint, give me my canvas, like, leave me alone. Yeah, he's like, give right. me my coffee. I mean, he was, when I was a little girl, we'd watch movies all day. Yeah. We'd play video games. And he was in his dark room doing like um, developing the photographs, yeah. and he just loved to go on the land. I mean, he had seventy five acres in the Poconos, wow. and he just really wanted to be secluded. He wanted yep. to be on his land doing his thing, and he didn't care about cars. He didn't care about anything that money right. could buy. So after his million dollar sale with um, Berserker. He just kind of said, oh, that's, that's great. I'm done. That's so, <laughs> like so nonchalant about right. getting a million dollars for a piece of art. He wasn't like, wow, great for me. Nothing. He's just yeah. he's like, mm, cool. Like, that's <laughs> Take that, Warhol. <laughs> yeah. That's what a humble awesome. human. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's where you are so in love with what you do. That yeah. as long as you do that and you get paid to do that, whether you get paid a certain amount or half or a tenth, as long as you're making a living on it and you get to do that and nothing else, you're set. Yeah. You know, yeah he was the... so happy. He didn't have to ever pay a bill. My grandma would do all of that. Of so he just was like, ah, eh, money, whatever. I, as long as I got my prosciutto and black coffee. He'd drink like two pots of coffee a day. That was, that was grandpa. <laughs> People want him to be like this, 
amazing, like strange guy in his studio, like all like um, just preaching prophecies. Right. But he wasn't like that. He was <laughs> he was very simple. That's pretty funny. Just and then it might have been just a, a facade. He might have had this crazy mind that just he didn't want anyone else to know about unless you looked at a painting. Right. I'm not sure. But still, he yeah. was. The man in this art. Yeah. And then once in a while, Pocky said, out, say hi to everybody, but yeah. leave me alone. Well, right. and even when fans would come over and want to talk to him about art mm-hmm. and like how he did things and, and just the, the basically his whole technique, like mm-hmm. when they would try to talk to him about art techniques, yeah. he wanted to talk about sports. He wanted yeah, yeah, to talk about like anything but how he did his art. Yeah. He just, he didn't want to talk about that. Can you imagine if he did a Bob Ross series? That would have been awesome. <laughs> What was the what was the workflow like? Did would he crank these out in a week or would he ponder over them for months and like they would slowly get when it was ready people would be finally allowed to see it or Um well again I, I, I personally I saw him kind I hate saying this but ruining his art he only could paint with his left hand by the time I saw him painting mm-hmm, right. because of his strokes so again we had to kind of keep him out of the museum because yeah. he was very hard-headed so he'd go in and be like i don't like this one and take it off the wall and start ruining it because right. we're like no so that was again my grandma's job to keep yeah, him yeah, out yeah. like say i'm sorry this is your art but you're not you're not going in and the touching it up done are done yeah they're we'll done work on new stuff if so you want, right? he would always kind of when i was alive and watching him well, when he was alive and i was watching him he was just um very like, just a, little touch-ups here and there. This but would I, have changed this old dynamic of this discussion quite a bit if it were, if you stuck with when I was alive. Yeah, when I was alive. Like, our I'm first actually, zombie yeah. guest. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> that would have been... Uh, ah, the walking and dead. I'm not even stoned. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> well, there's the vampire killer girl. That might be... Nice. We may be in more trouble than we know, but Lily. Yeah. Daytime exactly. vampires are visiting. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, from my mom and my uncle's information of how he painted, it would be like within a night. He'd, oh, he'd wow. crank out a masterpiece in wow. one night. And he would just stay up. He wouldn't eat. And then he would sleep for like 48 hours, like yeah. something insane yeah. because it just exerted all of his energy. That's awesome. So wow. I've never seen that personally, but my uncle, they that's obviously, the tale. Yeah, right. that's the tale. Wow. And I know he was a procrastinator because um, Neanderthals, <laughs> um, that was on Masonite. Yeah. And my grandma actually had to put it in the oven the night before to dry it wow. because he was so tardy with it. And she's like, you, we're not going to get paid if we don't get yeah. this out. So I know like she was a hardball, but she was pretty much trying to keep him in line. Of course. For their entirety of marriage yeah, and yeah, business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gotta be in charge. Yeah, because well but like I said, he didn't care about money. So why yeah. would he why would he try to push his paintings on anything? My of grandma course. had to do everything. Wow. And she would just instruct him, Okay, we need this and, and a lot of a lot of the book covers he did, he never actually read the books. Right. So it, they loved his art so much that they would just accept it. Right. Like, okay, well, this isn't relevant to the book at all, but Who, we'll take cares? it. <laughs> it's Frazetta. We'll take it. <laughs> just, that's that's why you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't know what's on where, the inside. Where are the three-eyed purple alien monsters? We talked about it. <laughs> well, ah, he, nah, well nah, for nah. Robert Rodriguez's um, Dusk Till Dawn, yeah. he, he, my, uh, Robert came to my grandma and said, I want to commission him to do the movie poster. So, of course, he wasn't done in time, so he ended up using another movie poster. But um, the, he eventually bought it, yeah. uh, the original, and he was telling us the story. And he's like, you know, it's funny, your grandpa, um, they were, he was supposed to put vampires, and he put these like little 
like almost like warthog looking creatures in the corner. We don't know what they are, but this isn't relevant to what I was telling him to do, but whatever. <laughs> I'll still buy it. <laughs> That's when you know you got talent. Yeah. You can just not listen to a damn thing people tell you yeah, and somehow he's... people still love you. Exactly. That's... And that's kind of what he taught us, but we don't I mean I don't have that talent. So right. it's kind of like hard in my life. I'm like, oh, I just want to tell everyone to F Kiss off man. my way. Right. I'm the boss. And I'm like, well, I don't have this, right. this ability. You'll so take I kind of painting have to, and like yeah, it. Exactly. Wow. That's funny. What's your favorite out of all the Egyptian or, queen? That's the one, huh? And my mom has that one. Um, yeah. what happened was the four siblings, the uh-huh. all the legal battle crap that was going on for five years um they eventually came to the conclusion that they had to split up the artwork yeah so it, it was the only way it was going right. to work i mean they couldn't decide like what, what if two of them want to sell and then the other two yeah, don't yeah, want to sell it was yeah. just a mess so when i was splitting up the art because i lucky me got to mediate that oh that sounds yeah. like so much fun oh, <laughs> it's the most stressful time of my life I bet. because it was how do you split up artwork yeah that's basically like invaluable like you don't you you're, it's just it's so valuable you don't know how to price it you yeah, don't how do you course. put it into categories you take turns it, basically yeah. it was so that's it crazy um, they're like okay we're gonna put them in categories here's the conans here's yeah. the death dealers and then the other stuff is just in random cat i'm like okay and they leave it to me I so that was a lot of pressure but long story short egyptian queen was part of that picking and i said mom you're getting egyptian that queen <laughs> and if you sell it i'm gonna kill you right. <laughs> you're not you're not selling it ever yeah. and another one in her collection is his portrait uh-huh. And I, we just did a show, uh, Strange Inheritance, mm-hmm. and actually they spoke about that at the end. They said this is one of this is Frank Frazetta's portrait. Yeah. She will never sell it, and they said that on TV, national TV. So I'm like, great. Now that, it's now solidified. It's, it's yeah, never exactly. going to be sold. Yeah. It's going to be hanging in my house one day. Of course, <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, Egyptian Queen is a beautiful, beautiful oh, piece yeah. of art. The mar- you know, it always mesmer. I was always mesmerized by it when yeah. I was a little girl. I'd look mm-hmm. at the marble. And it was one of the few that didn't scare me because right. a lot of them are like downward <laughs> to earth, Neanderthal. They were all these like yeah, crazy creatures. Yeah, and I'm like, course. we're looking at these like, at five years old going, what are these things? Like yeah. having nightmares. Of course. <laughs> of course, I was scarred at a young age. But <laughs> Egyptian queen was just so soft. And yeah. the female body, she was, she was just, she was voluptuous, but yet yeah. just so gorgeous. Her face. Mm-hmm. And he actually changed her face. You've seen the creepy cover, right? The original I don't remember creepy, the creepy cover. The creepy cover. She was actually doing a like a scared reaction, like oh, her mouth I was see. open and gotcha. her eyes, and he got it back, and he's like, "I don't no, like this." Yeah, completely different. Yeah. now it doesn't give you the vibe at all. It's no. very mellow. Well, of. and what happened was it's kind of like strange because if you look, the the leopard is breaking out of his chain, uh-huh. and it's going to attack her. Right, and she has this like face of right. nothing is nothing is phasing her. This leopard is about to attack me, but like, he, he, again, he didn't care right. about the rules. Of course. <laughs> there were no rules in Frank Frazetta's world. <laughs> rules don't exist. That's awesome. Law that's doesn't awesome. exist. Nothing exists. <laughs> no, that's, that's a beautiful one, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's other ones that are kind of close to the top. Yeah, I mean, I love any of his, his pinup work, uh-huh, which is very, sure. it's, it's different. It's like his 50s yeah, pinup girls. Course. I love them. And yeah. all of his, his watercolors were really near and dear to his heart. Mm-hmm. When he would paint his watercolors, like I, we've been posting them on Instagram, the, the girls jumping over the patch of mushrooms. <laughs> Those were his favorite things to do. <laughs> That's funny. And he, really, he rarely sold his watercolors just uh-huh. because they were so like whimsical right. and not Frank Frazetta. Yeah, of course. Um, but he would ma- mostly paint them for my grandma. Uh-huh. So we, got, we had tons of watercolors when he passed away. And they're just all kind of, they're very 
sexual. Right. <laughs> Very indication That's of cool. it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, because there's so much. He, he's not a guy, he painted a lot. There's a lot of, there's a large body of work in all of these. But as you say, so there was a whole battle afterwards with oh, yeah. four siblings. Four siblings. Were, so your mom pl- and plus three. Yeah. My uncle Frankie worked with my grandmother mm-hmm. since uh, probably the 80s. Um, so he was he was pretty close to her and lived on the property. Um, the other siblings did want a chance to work with my grandma, but it wasn't it wasn't big enough to right. do that. And it was more of my grandma favoring the the eldest the oldest course. sibling. That's yeah. just how it was. Yeah. So once he, uh, my grandpa and my grandma passed away, my uncle Frankie thought, you know, I've been doing the deal. business forever. Yeah, so you guys have your own businesses. I'm going to take the paintings. Yeah. And they're like, uh, no, you're right, not. Right. We're getting a million dollars for each painting. And I have my mom, for instance, has Holly's Island shop. Right. Selling t-shirts. Yeah. It's, it's like, a little bit different. Not quite. That's <laughs> not, not the split no. we're looking for. So right. they had to hire a whole legal team to fight him. Yeah. And unfortunately, when they sold Coney on the Destroyer for $1.5 million, the majority of that went to lawyers. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me another one. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was really sad. And yeah. I, I believe that was the demise of my grandpa. That was his last stroke um, when they were all fighting. He yeah, couldn't, he, what do you mean we got $9 okay. to the lawyer? Because <laughs> the fighting started be- when he was still alive. Well, yeah, my grandma passed away in 2009. Oh, so. so he passed away in 2010. Yeah. So he endured about a year of the fighting. Ooh. And then it went on to five years after of course, his death. No, I imagine it got even it, worse. It but, got worse. But not when he's around. That yeah, yeah. And you, you know. don't want to see that. My grandma was a little crazy. So right. at the end of her deathbed, she goes, Ugh, you kids can figure it out. <laughs> not leaving I'm a will. You. Yeah, I'm not leaving a will. <laughs> right. She was just so oh, we're like, God. wow. It's like, thanks. Yeah, that's thank gonna... you. She should definitely hang out with Shannon Lee for an afternoon. <laughs> right. I think you guys have, because, <laughs> like, they stole Bruce Lee's image. She had to fight to get her own father's image. Oh, yeah, back. we wow. had uh, Shannon, Bruce Lee's daughter, a couple of times. It happens, it happens horrible a lot. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and people fight over, that's when a lot of the fans are like, how could you do this? Like, idiot children. It's like, listen, people are fighting over trailer park homes and of why wouldn't you fight for 130 paintings that are worth at least over 300,000 each yeah yeah, yeah. I mean of course no it's one of the things where it's not an easy I mean in the best possible world yeah everybody sit around the table and they they couldn't do that no but and the attorneys took full advantage of, of that. Of course. They didn't know what was going on, so they yeah. just kept... We could book some hours while that's yeah. going on. Five years of hours. Oh. So, But what intrigues me is, how did you end up being in the middle mediating? I was... Back to astrology. I was the Libra, the peacekeeper. I, wanted to, I just right. wanted to balance everything out, so... But all four were okay with all it. Four, oh, Nobody oh. wanted to draw knives and say, not her, somebody else. No, Has there they, been a Thanksgiving with these yeah. four people in a room since then? No. <laughs> See, these, these petty little grievances and these, these ugly, yeah. these hateful grudges <laughs> that continue. I saw two, at my, at my grandfather's funeral, I saw two women who had fought over a grave plot that neither of them would go into for 40 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, See, that makes me feel better yeah, about exactly. this whole situation. <laughs> but that's just how dig, you know, these trenches yeah. get dug and then just throwing bombs over right. the top and nothing ever gets better. Yeah, no. when it doesn't happen, it's the exception. It's not the other way around. I mean, it's, they uh, weren't really a close-knit family before. Right. Anyway, and so then it wasn't when the like, money got stirred yeah. into it, look out. Well, and Grandma was always kind of, you know, playing the favoritism yeah, yeah. game oh, with the yeah. kids. So she was already starting the tor- turmoil from yeah. an early age with them. Sure. 
Um, so that that kind of brought it drew them all yep. away from one another. They didn't they didn't talk really on a regular basis. But now they're they're okay. Frankie still. I think Frankie might talk to Heidi now. I don't really know the, the right. details of it. <laughs> On crazy, Thursdays, dramatic. So it's not the friendliest, but it's, it's civil. Yeah, they're, they're okay. civil now. They okay. are. And, and because they got their way. They were like, you know what? Let's split up the art. And now they're all happy. Okay, that works. They have their million-dollar paintings hanging on the wall, and they're fine. They right. should be happy. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Mean. <laughs> but that's amazing because one of the things you were saying off the air was about your personality. You feel very fiery and not much patience. To actually to end up being mediating in the middle of that scenario where I'm sure knives were flying back yeah. and forth, that is not the kind of job that somebody who has no patient or who's all yeah. fighting tends I to do, do well. have pa- I have patience um, to endure really stupid people <laughs> at times just from... Good for you. How did you get right? that? Just my you family. Any of that? <laughs> my immediate family right. and extended family just living it yeah. um so, so i guess all of that patience it goes in my patience goes into that okay. and then my I, private I don't, life is a whole different right and then story. i don't have my right. coffee like yeah. i'm that kind of patience i'm like i need my coffee now so i guess it's just it's different <laughs> that's funny <laughs> if it was me i would have that poster up on the wall uh-huh. and the painting would be in deep storage somewhere humidity humidity controlled i mean it's gotta be scary to have something like that just yeah. hanging around yes and my mom has Quite a few of hers hanging around in her house on an island Wow! <laughs> in Florida. Wow. So that's a little... Dangerous business. Yeah, like if a hurricane comes, like yeah. something, you know, water spout. Of course. But like, they are insured. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, um, but still. But still. Yeah. Are you guys out here for a bit? Back. Have you been here for a while or is this just a quick visit? Uh, the island? No, you actually being here in California. Oh, this is, yeah, just a visit. Hopefully Have you been to the Broad or the, <laughs> the LACMA or the Getty or any of those? No. You got to do at least one of I'm those. Going just to. being an art lover. I love LA. You owe it to just, yourself. Yeah. Just driving on the, even the freeway, you're looking at the mountains, the hills, and you're like, wow, look at all the different kinds of trees. Yeah. <laughs> this no, is amazing. LA, I think if you don't have to, if you have a job where you don't have to go across the city all the time, mm-hmm. you're great. You so know, for Zeta Girls be, LLC, we do it online. Exactly. You don't have to leave. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But if you have to travel all the time, you have to be in traffic, yeah, it's a pain. It's I'm like, not a nine to six person anyway. Perfect. And if I'll you can work. dodge I'll that. die at my exactly. desk. Yeah, <laughs> That's totally. when I don't have patience. And if I have to right. sit somewhere from nine to six, I yeah. start getting all antsy oh, like course. a five-year-old. Of and course. there are parts where you can, you can deal with traffic next to the ocean. Right. So if you have to sit and stall traffic and you can see dolphins, yeah. you don't get to complain. Yeah, seals, like we're hanging out with the seals. Yeah, like, that's, that's nice. not that's such nice. a bad deal. Yeah, huh? exactly. Not so many hurricanes as Florida, good God. Yeah, earthquakes though, right? Yeah, no, that part really. is not fun out here. Once but, again, this yeah. is the trade-off. And, yeah. and we have sinkholes. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. So, and, and it's going to be no Florida in about nine hours. <laughs> that's true. In nine hours, yeah. time is time. Well, have you heard about like the methane that's coming out of the permafrost in, in Russia? Methane is like sixty times worse than carbon, and it will—it's—it's it's melting right now. So I just six hundred thousand years of just dead plants and animals. I saw that on BBC today in the news. I'm like, it's oh, it's fun. Yeah, it's nice just that we had like thirty that. seconds left on the planet, or something. Well, it was fun. Thirty wasn't seconds it? less left on the planet. Right. Something weird. I'm like, oh, it's the nuclear is... countdown clock. Yeah, that's, we're that close to it going up. I think that's because India and Pakistan are having troubles again. Probably. Yeah. Well, well, um, Florida right now, it's been pretty tough living there just because of the red tide. It's oh. not going away. And that's because of big sugar, getting all of the sugar into all of the rivers and just the bodies of water. Oy. And it's creating an algae 
that's going into our Gulf of Mexico and killing all of the animals. It and sucks then all the oxygen us. out of the of water course. and yeah. kills everything. Because there's red tides here too, but those are the glowing ones where you stamp on the beach and the, the algae. Right. There's yeah. that. So don't get that confused. Yeah, it's a disaster. And your boy, Rick Scott, don't even get me started on him. Oh, he would not listen to the back, on that. children back in the old days when there was an EPA. They'd come down and say, hey, your fertilizing techniques are going to fuck up the ocean. And Rick Scott said, fuck you. Right, money. And yeah. then yeah, when yeah. the red tide hit, he went, government, federal government, please help us. Well, that's actually low. Because he's sick. low. I was sort of it, going he is. in a political direction anyway. Because I remember a while back, like you have been doing such an amazing job at keeping it, particularly in light of what you say, keeping it very cool in the Frazetta Girls business in what right. you do through the website and everything Thank else. You. But you obviously have your strong opinions. I do. And so sometimes having I to do. hold back and not. And you know, I'm going to offend people. Yeah. It's just inevitable. Right. We're all, we all have yeah. our opinions and our yeah. beliefs. And if I lose a few hundred customers because I spoke my yeah. b- political beliefs, so be it. And you don't even do it, you know, you don't even do it in like, I remember like when the whole thing happened, there was a thing about when you put a post about the pipeline, which was Mm -hmm. ridiculous because it was a post primarily about a painting that your uh, grandpa did. Right. In which you mentioned something about natives and in like a quarter of a line, you threw something about the pipeline. Right. And there were a few people who were all like, if this is all going to be about politics. I'm getting off the page. And I told them to leave. I said, get off the page. They're hanging out. Goodbye. And that's where my grandpa comes out in me where I'm like, okay, take a hike. I don't care. I don't need you. I don't need you. Can we just continuously make something nice and then destroy it and make something nice? I mean. The pipeline, don't even get me started. Yeah. There's 9,000 things on your list, and this is number three? After so you're upset about the photographic yeah. evidence of your coronation? Yeah, yeah, no, stuff like that is weird. And uh, and I think, though, is, uh, it's tricky because one of the issues that show up with your grandpa's work is that it appeals to anybody. Right. You know, it doesn't have a single target audience where you have right. people who are ideologically more in line with the way you may feel about certain things. It's a completely broad spectrum of society. And if anything, there may even be a little more on the... Because, again, the way it's interpreted, there's many people see it as this macho, tough thing. So it tends to appeal to a crowd that may not always be the one that sees eye to eye with your type of worldview. Yeah, that's true. uh, It it gets tricky because some of the people who are all into it are not necessarily the kind of people that you would associate all the time with. Not all, of course. It's a minority. It is is a mixture, but that's definitely true. (laughs) There's that as well. And that kind of... I'm sure I'll get into situations in the future. Of course. Especially when I'm talking and (laughs) broadcasting myself. (laughs) Does it show up at all in terms of, you know, you, your mom, having the whole Frazetta girls thing, having it as a, uh, your side of the family being this female-driven mm-hmm. take on your grandpa's work. Does it, anybody give you any attitude on that? Do you run into some guys who have this kind of hardcore macho thing? Or um, no, not no, really. Not I think there's a little bit of confusion with the Frazetta girl's name. Uh-huh. It was really just, it was like a double entendre kind of name. It, it's My grandpa was known for his girls. Yeah, of and then we are Frazetta girls. Right. So that was, the company was formed with my yeah. mom and I. Yeah. And we, we just needed an LLC. And we're like, well, let's just make a simple name that people can remember. Mm-hmm. We don't want like enterprises or anything. We just want it simple and yeah. that was 
made sense. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're promoting his girls, but just all of his art in of general. Course. It's more so like the Frazetta girls. We are the Frazetta yeah, girls. Of course. So that's. I wouldn't pick a fight sense. with them at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe to say. <laughs> we're, we're draw out our sword. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Roberto Rodriguez as. Um, working with your grandpa on, on the mm-hmm. poster that had nothing to do with vampires but yeah, anyway yeah. <laughs> but also even like recently i remember i seen pictures of you guys working on project what has been the relationship with him well robert rodriguez wants to do a remake of fire and ice uh-huh. that was done in 1983 with ralph yeah. bakshi um he does have the rights as of now sony did approve yeah. it um he's working with james cameron at the moment on another project uh-huh. so i i We've been saying this since 2011, so, so I, I'm knows, kind of reluctant right. to say, oh, it's going to happen. Yeah, of course, because who knows? In but a decade. It, yeah. yeah, maybe in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think down the line, I, Robert, it's really, really near and dear to Robert's heart. Uh-huh. He's such a fan that he wants to make this happen. It's just about, I think, more money, time. Right. It, it's just... It, <laughs> and then it'll get close, and Robert will be like, you know, the holographic cameras just came out. Right. I want to play with those a little yeah, bit yeah, Exactly, yeah. exactly. So there, there, that was the f- initial tie-in with, his, the, with the family, working with Robert. Right. Um, Robert then kind of showed interest in helping us get started for Z- with mm-hmm. Frazetta Girls LLC. Right. So he sent us some jaclays, which mm-hmm. is hanging on your yep. wall. <laughs> um, he started us with the full sublimation t-shirts. Yep. At first we looked at them and we're like, these are hideous. Like these, what are these that are all over the t-shirt? And right. that's just because we didn't, yeah, we yeah, weren't of aware course. of what would sell. Yeah. So we send them to us and they were just blowing out. We're like, people want these. Right. So, okay, we'll, we'll make them. Well, it, so yeah. he really helped us launch for Zeta Girls yeah. with just kind of his mind and like what he thought would sell and uh-huh. be relevant to Frazetta fans. Um, now he, he's not doing so much of that because we've kind of just, we're outsourcing and yeah. creating in-house. Um, but now he actually has a part of my mom's collection uh-huh. that he shows during um, South by Southwest, ACL in Austin. Right. And he insures the paintings and they're in his giant castle that <laughs> is like fireproof and everything else. Right. And he has all like uh, Quentin come over, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Lady yeah. Gaga. Like, yeah. so more people are seeing the art mm-hmm. than if we were to keep them in sure. Boca Grande yeah. <laughs> in the little apartment that could of get course. swooped away from the sea level. <laughs> right. Um, so, so that's really our relationship right now. That's cool. That's awesome. The Fire and Ice project, was he planning to do like an animated version, kind of like the original? Or um, was live it action. Live action. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was taking that. Uh, Richard, did you ever see Fire and Ice? The... I can't place it right now. It's awesome. It's brilliant. I, I'm sure so if I say it, like, oh, yeah. That, I... You know, they actually ran out of the budget at the end. Did they? Yeah. That's, so that's I, the goal. <laughs> and they were like, well, it's kind of unfinished, but whatever. We'll just Close release enough. it. Because <laughs> right. Ralph Bashki's kind of just like, whatever. He's an easy yeah, of course. guy. No and... movies are ever finished. They're just abandoned. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Money's gone. <laughs> Money's see gone. See you, everybody. See if we make it back. Yeah, and... that would be a hell of a project. I would be so happy to see that oh, done. Oh, I would too. Especially by Roberto Rodriguez. Because when yeah. I think about mod, like, you know, it's funny. Back in the... 80s, 70s, you'd remember directors because everybody right. had their style. You'd right. remember even guys like who made uh, the whole Conan genre famous, John Milius. You remember John Milius, mm-hmm. he has a particular style. 
today, most of the time you don't. No. Most of the time you have no idea who the you director is. have to Google is. who the director right. is. Who did this? Rodriguez. Besides Quentin and exactly. Rodriguez. Exactly. Yeah. Those guys, <laughs> you know. You know. There's no ambiguity about it. The head's getting it. chopped off every other scene. You're like, yeah, that's them. Nobody does it, like <laughs> yeah. the way. Or the, the dialogues, the way oh, it's yeah. set up. It's like nobody makes movies like that. Whether, again, people may like it or hate it. But that's the whole, yeah, but, but it has its style. And know, that's it why has, it's uh, such a good fitting relationship. Because totally. they kind of just, they, they don't care what anyone yep. thinks. They don't care about the criticism. If people don't like their style, they're sticking to it. Absolutely. And that's why I feel it's a good collaboration yeah. with someone like Robert Rodriguez because he he holds what my grandpa held. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't care. It's yeah, his own yeah, style. Yeah, of course. And of he's course. got luchadors. The... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? <laughs> but man, with women, yeah, it's, it's a little hard. I'm like, I'm trying to understand this. I'm like, what's funny though? It, I'm like, mm. it does seem kind of, kind of weird, but it's just like the telling of those epic tales of, you know, the hero's going to come in and a bad guy, oh, he's really bad. And he's going to pummel him for a while. But in the end, most likely, maybe, good guy the good guy's going to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know, there's some of it, Rodriguez in particular, because of course it's always Rodriguez and Tarantino. You always mm-hmm. hear them put together because they have a similar style. They right. are friends. They work with each other. But if I may, I actually dug Rodriguez's work more. Mm-hmm. Over, I mean, there are some greats, you know, Tarantino, Kill Bill, beautiful, yeah, great yeah. work, amazing. Dogs. Yeah, yeah, there's That's some amazing work. stuff, yes. don't get me wrong. But when I think about some of those, like Desperado, Sin City, mm-hmm. some of those are just amazing, you mm-hmm. know, they're just on a whole... Sin City was great. Sin City is one of my favorite movies. So different. Frank Miller. I mean, it yeah. really... And, and that's... The, Robert kept telling us, he's like, look what... Frank Miller's art... I, I forget the percentage of how much it went up yeah. in value after he did Sin City, oh, but sure. it was, it was a lot. A lot and sure. it was substantial. And he said that with Frank Frazetta, even though we're already getting yeah. premium prices for the art, but we're it hoping it can, it can go up. Absolutely. If Warhols are being sold for, I don't even know the dollar amount, what, 50 million? Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? It's the goal. Yeah. No, <laughs> so but. Mom, hold on. <laughs> exactly. No, because that <laughs> stuff like, is. Yeah. Yeah, you think about the, what he did with the art, the Frank Miller art in uh, Sing City, mm-hmm. and now he turned it into live action, but right. there's that weird line that he walks the blue that really faces nobody else and... <laughs> could do. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oddly enough, as much as I, you know, I watched Sin City 2 and I remember thinking, it's a good movie. Somehow I don't remember a damn thing from it. Whereas the first Sin yeah. City, I was the like, first I City. love this one. Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies yeah. ever. And usually it's, that's how it is with any kind of like trilogy or any any. It's tricky to keep. Uh, a two, a three, a four. You're like, okay. They just repay money tricky. at that point. Exactly. It can get difficult. I mean, sometimes you manage, you know. And don't get me wrong, Sin City 2 wasn't a bad movie at all. It was a good movie. Right. It's just... Didn't Not as memorable. Quite exactly. Right. That first, no, the first one, I was like, "Oh my god, I can, I can yeah. watch it all the time and be." That's awesome. So that's a great project, and um, no, that's a that's a brilliant one. I dig it. Other things that you are thinking for the future, aside for the well, work with Robert. Stuff this is. That... I might be in, inserting foot and mouth because it, it's not quite there yet. But sure. my mom and that's I. That's why we record <laughs> and don't go live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you edit. Yeah, exactly. Every once in a while, something Perfect. crazy so, slips out. Well, my mom and I are actually putting together a concept of the story of Death Dealer. Uh-huh. Um, we've been writing it. We're not writers, right. so it might take an, a hiring another sure. writer who went to school for it mm-hmm. or just has that natural ability. But we've been putting together ideas of 
the backstory of Death Dealer, of who my grandpa would want Death Dealer to of be. Course. And he was a romantic. He was a lover of women. So yeah. Death Dealer, to, to my grandfather, wasn't this guy who just wanted to go out there and just slay people, sure. like just all action Mad Max type of scenario. Yeah. He, he really wanted it more of like a love story. Uh-huh. So as women, we're like, well, we got this one. We Let's know the go. love story, right. the romantic yeah. kind of essence mm-hmm. of how he became Death Dealer. So and why can he never have her again? <laughs> why, <laughs> why can he never have who? Anyone? Whoever he's pining for. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, and that's, it's, it's, been, it's been done, of course. But we, we're really, we, we actually just showed it to a writer and got his opinion on what we have so far. And he was like, well, it's... I don't know if this is good or bad, but he said it's certainly different. It's a very unique approach. Sure. I've never seen it before, so that's good for us. I'm like, hey, unique, great. I don't, unique is good. Whatever, Absolutely. good or bad, it's still yeah. unique. If they'll make the lobster, they'll make anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you want, of course, yeah, there's that, but also you want it to be, as you know, as your grandpa's legacy is something that you guys are invested, exactly. so you want it to be a top-notch thing. Right, that, right. Uh, Oh man, I'll have the uh, I'll have to pass you a few phone numbers. Then. Yeah, that would be know, wonderful. Quite a few people. <laughs> well, I mentioned would love it to play, uh, <laughs> and then it'll be time to call another lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's to me. In fact, in that kind of world, especially when talking about Hollywood and projects like that, I like there are people that I like to work with. That to me, they should like when you have those discussions where suddenly it's like. No, come on, you take a bigger cut. And you're like, no, 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 come on, you take a big... That's when you know you're in a good relationship, you know, where right. there's none of that. Like, I love... Uh, we had him on the podcast once, um, Pete McCormick. Mm-hmm. He's this director. He did a few... Um, he did some awesome documentaries. He did one on Bruce Lee. He did this one about facing Ali with all the people who fought against Muhammad Ali. And he's, like, the nicest guy, crazy Canadian dude. I mm-hmm. love him to that. I work with him and he's the kind of guy that I trust. That's the that's where I feel comfortable because right. otherwise this world is weird, you know. Especially in I Hollywood, agree. like I was uh, you have to go by vibes. I was literally really, in Hollywood really the other day for one of those Hollywood meetings, mm-hmm. and man, I had to so restrain myself not to projectile vomiting the whole time because mm-hmm. there was this one agent walking the door, oh. and everything she said was like. That's the best thing I've ever heard. That is like it's so, so obvious. So full of crap. It's yeah. completely obvious. How do those right. words come away. out of your pen? It's amazing. Exactly. And you're just like, oh, God, yeah. You can you, you can know? tell the, the the crowds. I came out actually my first time. This is kind of off the subject, but <laughs> my first time in California, I was at the Terranea Resort uh-huh. for a real estate convention. Yeah. And I really knew I was out of place. Uh, my dad was trying to get me into that industry, and right. I'm like. I can't sell like anything, yeah, let alone yeah. like a million dollar house. I'd be like, oh, you know, this is light. I don't, I don't have really attention to detail. Yeah. It's not really my thing. So when I, when I was there, I just I felt that same thing from the crowd where I needed a vomit bag the whole Nothing. time. I'm like, everyone's judging me. And actually, it was really funny. I was talking to some of the the CEOs of a company. I'm not going to say the name, but of course they they were like, oh well, um, we're from Denver and. I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to Denver next week. And they're like, what for? I'm like, a horror convention for my grandfather. And they're like, a whore convention? I'm like, <laughs> yes, a whore convention. That's where I'm going, and I'm putting it on display right now. And I'm like, I hate this place, and I hate everyone. I'm going back to my room. And my whore yeah, convention. my whore convention with the Frazetta art. Yeah, the fact that that's what they calculated exactly. that you were saying. That's I, my mouth just, but... like, it was open. I'm like, 
I am so, I, and I usually yeah. am pretty good with communicating with most right. people, but I couldn't, I knew I was at a yeah. place when I couldn't have one conversation. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It reaches a certain level. And I say they live in Kashistan because they don't in live Kashistan. in America. Yeah. The yeah. folks that they take the private planes and the only interaction they might have is with a driver for six seconds as he carries his bag to the bellhop. Who he's shouting on. orders to them. Yeah. Come on, peasant. Give me my it's bag. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's what it is. And that's who's ruling us right now. And that's yeah. the it, ugly it side. And they don't give a fuck. No. Right. But that's the no ugly empathy. side. Even the nice side is just as because I'm fake. thinking about yeah the fake side you know yeah. the one where instead they are super nice but in a level to your like face. I had oh bless your heart other, the that's a very southern that's thing a southern. for go fuck yourself other yeah. people who I'm not gonna name were like tell like they went on for ten minutes about how I love your work what you do is amazing this that and the other and it was totally clear that the guy had no idea what I do with stuff that he had probably like googled it about thirty five seconds before yeah. and that and I was like. Don't bullshit me. You don't need to. You know, no, we can have a conversation and it can be fine. And, and that they... gives people out here a bad name. But I, yeah. that being said, I found myself in a certain establishment that is literally you have to pay a monthly fee to be a part of the party. Uh, mm-hmm. And there were so many douchebags in that area at the mm-hmm. same time. If one more had come in, mm-hmm. it would have collapsed in a douchebag oh, yeah. black hole and would have destroyed the entirety of the universe. <laughs> I was having a similar <laughs> Frazetta fantasy there. I was in, it, it was exactly one of those places, exclusive club, whatever, where people paid thousands of dollars to be member. That was already kind of gross now to begin with. Yep. Yeah. And but, you still got to pay for the drinks? Where that, the fuck are we? Yeah, that's just gross. The vibe, gross. <laughs> the vibe all around was this weird Hollywood fake crap. And, uh, and I remember just at one point I was taking a look around and I was thinking, there was a zombie apocalypse right now. I think I can, with my hands, kill every man in this room without the slightest <laughs> trouble. And that'll be, everybody was so just. And the, the world would be of, so much better. He was the sense of entitlement, weak human beings yep. without, never had to, with no limits. Yeah. So they Sometimes just I, I think of those people though as they just have no identity, and yeah. so part of me almost feels like bad in the way. Then because and I'm that like, was that was I the next too bad. Right, that yeah, was... I don't feel that's my Libra part. That's my oh, I feel I see both sides. No, but I'm with you. They yeah. don't really have an identity, and then they go to these like top-notch luxury groups yeah. and they belong what you need friend is a ferrari right that's gonna right. fix it all yeah that's, and if you're miserable and you, you have a ferrari or a, a any a prius totally different spectrums it's not going to change your happiness it's just not totally. i've seen it firsthand and i've worked oh, yeah. in the real estate industry where you're making commissions off of 14 million dollar houses now i never got to that level right that's <laughs> not six percent but Woo. but they yeah it's a huge percent but most of them are so stressed out of course mm-hmm. like hustling trying to make yep. that money that they can't even appreciate what's around them they're they're it's a classic yeah right? and it's, it's just uh, and that's what my wake-up call i'm like i'd rather hustle posters and and sell yeah. my grandpa's art that i'm passionate about exactly then make a million dollars a year. I'd and be, be amongst poor. those yeah. people, then. Yeah. Well, I did you get enough to. of a taste of it, like 43-year-old women with already too much plastic surgery and the sort of nightmares <sighs> that surround that? Oh, and their 70-year-old husband that they're hanging with and that That's sort of nightmare. Florida, too. Right. We have so Wherever much. Wherever the money of, is yeah, is where it happens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's just there's something like when they start to creep in. And 45-year-old women are gorgeous. They don't need anything done to their little crow's feet that nobody knows but them. It's insanity. But then when they start that work then... Mm-hmm. It's, it's just no, it, and they become snowball monsters. effect. Yeah. And I think, yeah, in all of that, though, what you were saying, I actually, I felt exactly that same way. After the initial, I will kill them all with pleasure. Then there's that second moment where you go, 
these are actually really sad human beings. Yeah. They are. And I'm kind of an asshole for being so judgmental about it. Because, yeah, you are pissing me off and you have a bad vibe and all of that stuff. But ultimately, it all comes from you being miserable, yeah. you being sad. Or just no personality. No like, personality. I've, I've tried to communicate with people and I just and then I realize I'm like, Sometimes wow, you have no, no depth at all. I can't <laughs> talk course. about the stars. I can't talk about the trees. I can't talk yeah. about... The giant squirrel that's mixed with something else, possibly. I can't talk about anything <laughs> that's, abstract. That's a possum out there. <laughs> so yeah. It's a possum, a, squir- a squirrel out there. A squassum. A squassum. Yeah. <laughs> but you just, you, they don't have any other interest besides that. That comes to the point. They don't have any interest besides making money. Yeah. And I have no interest really besides having to maintain like eating yeah. organic and having my supplements. Like, <laughs> otherwise, I'll feel and like to I'm be dying. given the opportunity to hang out on this awesome planet. And all you're going to do is chase money and be miserable and turn yourself plastic and shit on people? It's horrible. You're wasting the ride, man. You put your quarter in, you might as well have a good time. I'm really happy I learned that lesson in my 20s. I, I was going down that path early 20s, uh, mm-hmm. just getting into that, oh, let, let's obsess over counting calories. Let's of obsess of, like looking at it. And no, not for a specific goal, because, of course, like you're, like your wife, you're just to right. stick to a strict meal plan. She's doing something. For she's five, fighting. Right, of course. But to just live and breathe and just having like this strict regimen and being so hard on yourself when yeah. we we're I'm like I, I can't I can't do this right, I'm not exactly. counting my damn calories yeah. anymore I'm gonna eat this stupid cashew bar <laughs> and and just live my right. life of course and I, when I just let go of that it was so freeing just not caring yeah. not caring if I have the newest go yard bag or not that I could afford that but maybe one day yeah. grandpa but I, I wouldn't see that's, the, that's what I'm getting to like with my grandpa's paintings if I had the opportunity one day to trade an Egyptian queen sure. for five million dollars to get all of this crap would I no I right. wouldn't I would don't I'd rather donate Egyptian queen and his portrait to a museum right for people to forever look at because life is short why would I like basically sell my soul Definitely. and my grandpa's soul Yep. For a Ferrari. And what about... That I'll die in, most likely. <laughs> Five million <laughs> people get to see it with their own eyes. I mean, exactly. that's, why, that's why you've got to go to the Getty. You go to this master's room, and it's Van Gogh's and Monet's all in I'm one going. room. I'm going. to go. You know, and you just sit there, and you ponder, like, the genius of it all. Yeah, and it keeps, and it keeps inspiring people forever. Yeah. For, forever. More artists. I mean, that... And people will come up to me at like, conventions when we go to comic cons, and they'll say, I'm, so, I'm sure you're sick of hearing this, but I, was, I became an artist because of your grandpa. I'm like, I'm not, I'll never be sick of hearing that because for someone to find their inner artist at such a young age and say I'm not conforming I'm not going I mean of course it's case by case some people have to have nine to six jobs they just have to and there's people that are down with that yeah Yeah. but and then they and like we need it we need it for to keep the world going but for people to say he inspired me enough to just quit my nine to five and, and just have the hope that I can be successful now and then they're making money or and even if they're not they're happy doing what they're doing so for me to have those the, his pieces of art on display forever, that's my dream. Yeah, and even because not not only not everybody, but really when you think about how many artists do you remember? Not you know if you are the art connoisseur, that's different. You'll know every single right. one and their family history and whatever. But average person who may have interest in art, but that's as far as it goes. You're not the super specialist. How many artists do you really remember will leave that powerful impact that leave you going? Not that many. You Not know, there many. are a few. I mean, even I think... Like five that impacted exactly, me. Exactly. That's about where I'm at, yeah. right? Where you think that, about and, that And those number. are probably like decade centers, like Nagel in the 80s. Yeah, and Salvador like, Dali, really. Yeah, and yeah. Like the Basquiat right, stuff Basquiat. just for its craziness, you know, they... Basquiat I mean, that's not going to be... There you go. <laughs> but I don't know if that's around in 200 years, where some right, things right. that are so... I mean, 
I'm not trying to footnote him or anything. It is definitely original and amazing right. and confusing. Yeah. And confusing. I, I don't understand it. I, I like it, but I'm like, right. I have no idea and what's going what on in that Go piece. check it out and, and, and digest it or not, do? but that's the idea. <laughs> a lot of drugs. <laughs> All right, the movie starts. A little inflatable skiff comes up. It's on the water. It's nighttime. <laughs> and two divers peel off. And it's your mom's house underwater. And they're swimming, swimming, swimming. <laughs> because inside, Egyptian, Egyptian queen waits to be rediscovered. Mm-hmm. And we go from there. Love well, it. Let's Love it. start that screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like I think one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorites is uh, Caravaggio. I love Caravaggio's work. And it's like you know, exactly like early 1600s. That's mm-hmm. where it's at. But when I think it's like Frazetta, Caravaggio, I can think probably of two, three more that are vaguely close. Yeah, and, well, and that tonality it. has sort of a thing. Doing this, it's, yeah. like, it's in the darkness and it's all these sort of great layers. Yeah, I think in both actually when I think about, because of course Caravaggio. There's a similarity in there style. for sure. Yeah, tell me about it. Because I think there is, but I'm not entirely sure. Like, I, I would have to think it on the spot in that sense. What do you see? As well, just what I'm saying is like, sort of like that, that, that level of realism. Uh-huh. So these look like actual creatures that existed yeah. or, you know, the executions and the song and all right. the craziness. But those people and their existence in the frame looks more like photographs. Right. And it looks like something that actually happened that that looks like that could have happened at some point, you know. 65,000 years ago before. Yeah. And the Caravaggio stuff sort of has that same sort of epic, eternal vibe. You're right. So that's what I get. No, you're totally right. Because that is different from just about anyone else. Like the characters Mm -hmm. in these paintings just jump out of the canvas in a way where it is very character driven. You know, it's not just uh, background paint. You know, there are like, I don't know, Hieronymus Bosch is an awesome painter, but he's the craziness, the psychedelic craziness of it all is fun. There is no character per Mm -hmm. se. Frazetta, Caravaggio, they are both very character-driven. They have this intense, passionate scene. The technique is different, but you're right. That is very similar. I didn't think of it that way. It's interesting. And it's funny, too, because I think about movies and books I read. Mm-hmm. Also, I tend to be very character-driven. It's like, to me, that's where the whole thing comes to life, is yeah. when you get into the... Like, even with um, the other podcast that I do, History on Fire, I started mm-hmm. out telling more the general stories, and I started getting into the biographies a lot. Right. Because I'm like, I like to follow this person arc, how they become who they are, right. how they do their... I find it fascinating. And it's in, I think you hit on something that is one of my recurring themes. I'm very character-driven on in everything. In just about that is an everything. interesting well, take I, on it. Like it's something that could have happened yeah. 65,000 years ago. And I, I joke about that from time to time. And I'll say, I think my grandpa was like a time traveler. Right. And he was reincarnated, <laughs> reincarnated so many times that the, all of these things were just his past lives coming out. Popped you didn't know how to explain the... it. And, and I'll, I'll say that. I'm like, he's like a panther now in like a, a, an exotic right. jungle and light years away. Yeah, you hope so. <laughs> With the women that he envisioned here around him. <laughs> Worship him as the panther yeah, god. Yeah, he's the panther god. Or lots of, lots, Jaguar lots, god. Lots of hot panther girls. That could just be fine too because yeah. he's a panther. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd rather have a panther chick over there. <laughs> That's where I start believing in the reincarnation right. thing. I'm like, I'm convinced. Yeah. I'm convinced that this... 
he he saw these characters before. Well, what turn? Are you feeling with Graham Hancock at all? Yeah, yeah. There Graham, you go. Yep. There we've man, been many we've been listening to him a lot. Have you? No way. Yeah, Graham Hancock. Yeah, we had Graham twice, twice. on the podcast. Is, oh, he's uh, he's fascinating. He's yeah. I love yeah, his theories uh, on everything. Well, if everyone is he, uh, we need to get Space Patrol started if we like this at all. The fact that we don't look for any Earth crossing asteroids. There oh, was yeah, one yeah. that came no, the... out from the sun. I think it was right around Christmas, yeah. and it was here two days after we spotted it for the first time. And it came between the moon and the earth. Just think about this game, slinging oh, yeah, it. Isn't Jupiter like up. protecting us? Or it does in a big way because it's like a vacuum cleaner for the solar system. So right. it, it attracts a lot of stuff that comes in. But we need but to make sure already... Jupiter's like protected. <laughs> Something needs to be invested in that. Well, it's like there's, there's like 38,000 that cross the Earth's orbit that we've identified. Oh. And we haven't come close to identifying them all yet. So you don't even have to worry about what's coming in from deep out that Jupiter cleared out. The shit that's already in our neighborhood. Well, that's uh, Graham Hancock. I think he says that a lot. It, like that, there were so many civilizations yeah. that have been wiped out over oh, yeah. time from these asteroids, and uh, and that that always. It, it, I like listening to him because it just opens my mind into totally. deeper concepts of of life. Like just not this. Okay, here I am. I'm going to get my coffee. I'm going to watch TV. Mm-hmm. We're like, going to get drunk this mon- weekend. Yeah, let's go get drunk. Like think about the deeper the, the depths of life and human existence and the human experience. It's it's so mind opening. It's I mean, a gift. Everyone needs to listen. Absolutely. To that. And the thing is that I think Graham is honest about it because he's not saying these absolutely happen 110. percent right. He's saying there's a hell of a lot of evidence to say that something else other than traditional stories going on. But even he's not making the claim of absolute certainty no. about any of that. But yeah. he's, um, in fact, it's funny because a lot of people, especially when I started History on Fire, a lot of people who are more into history were giving me shit about, oh, you had Gramenko Kong, he's like this, his pseudo history is not real, blah, blah. I'm like, the, the yeah, what is, is real? What is real? Is, no one knows no, what exactly. is real. Exactly. Nobody has a damn idea yeah, what was perception. happening here 12,000 years ago. Right. Okay? It's all highly speculative. I mean, right. history is seven parts speculation, three parts evidence, you know? So exactly. it's like, let's take it easier because the reality is no, it's not you're telling me the Holocaust didn't happen. Okay, we have a problem there. There is a yes. bunch of evidence. That I've heard that before and it's right. enraged me it's like, to yeah, the bone. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yes. That's like ignoring evidence. But if we're going in evidence where the evidence is sketchy at best, yeah. of course there's going to be speculation right. and other possibilities. Well, we thought galaxies and, uh, were nebula less than 100 years ago. I mean, in I mean, fact, it's, whole a, it's extent- a work in progress yeah. completely. And uh, If you believe that science still. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrap it. Other things you want to mention throughout there? Um, people, I guess, let's start with the mm-hmm. basics while you think if there's other projects or anything you want to bring up. Um, website, where should people check out Frazetta um, Girls? FrazettaGirls.com Wow, yeah. I would have never guessed Very that. Very easy. Yes. Social media. That's um, not with a Z or anything crazy, is it? Yeah, we'd... No, just girls spelt normal. Okay, <laughs> exactly. And that's uh, We Facebook. thought about the, the Z and then I'm like, that's just going to throw too many people yeah, off. Just people both, are going to get lost. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we have um, on Facebook, you Facebook. have the group. Twitter, uh, Instagram. The whole deal. Okay, yeah. perfect. So one name, simple. Simple. That makes it easy. On that note, thank you very much, sir. Thank this you so much for having me. It was such a great time. Thank you.
music means that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. A great interview with Sarah. We sure appreciate her sharing the tales of her grandfather. And, uh, you know, you'll probably want to run off to the internet to check out the pictures. You, you'll know most all of them. The Molly Hatchet album cover, The Death Dealer, is probably just as classic as it could be. And uh, even talk of doing the old Fire and Ice cartoon again. I don't know if they're talking about doing a live action with uh, Mr. Rodriguez or not, but that'll be interesting to see along the way. But anyway, thanks so much for joining us. That was great. Um, real quick, we definitely want to mention, check out our Amazon link. It's a great way to help uh, support our podcast. It doesn't cost you a single extra cent. Uh, go through our website and you'll see an Amazon link. You click there. You got to do your shopping after you click there. You can't like shop and then go through because you have to put things in the cart through our portal. And that's kind of how it works. So give a click. They give us a nice piece of that evil corporate blood money. And uh, it's just a great way. It really does help us keep everything going here on, on this end. But Leslie would definitely want me to mention the Taoist Lecture Series. That's available. It's, I believe it's 16 different 20 to 40 minute chunks of uh, great Taoist learning, different subjects, each one. It's a nice educational collection, and uh, I think you'll enjoy listening to it. And then uh, finally, got to mention our friends Daisy House, who provide our awesome theme music. They do have a, a new record out. It's only been out for a couple months. Uh, you can go to Bandcamp slash Daisy House and check that out. There they'll be. Go ahead and you, know, you can buy a single, buy the whole record. It's always nice to help support folks that support us. And then finally, as always, my real pride, Kiva.org. Help somebody get a cow, a water pump, a new roof for their house. Uh, it's microloans for folks that live in smaller third world countries and don't have the access to banks the way we do. Hell, they give them in the United States now as well. And it's just a great thing. $25 added into the pot to help somebody complete a loan. When the money gets paid back, you get every cent of it back yourself. And then you can either cash it out or, what most people do, send it off for another loan. Your fellow listeners at Team Drunken Dallas, we're about to make $75,000 in loans over the past couple of years. And that is just amazing. And it just makes me so proud. So thanks for everybody that's already a team member. Feel free to come and join us, y'all. 25 bucks will get you your first loan. And when it gets paid back, loan it again. There's, there's some loans we've done four or five times now. And uh, we're racing towards 100000 We might reach it by the end of this year, and we'd love to have you be part of it. Uh, almost 200 of your fellow listeners are loaning through Team Drunken Taoist. So give us a look. And that's about it. We'll be back in mid-May with another uh, Rich and Bellelli episode. And until then, thanks for listening. We sure appreciate it, and I hope everybody has a great week. Take care. Bye. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.
Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great nice. hour here. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's... <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.